Hiya, Dad. Howdy, Ross. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm with you. How much better could I be? Charmed, I'm sure. Are you ready to know everything? Yes, I am. Okay, let's do it. I want to talk to you about the joy and helpfulness of Venn diagrams. Ooh, this is like two circles that intersect each other, and in the middle yeah. is the magic. A Venn diagram is a thing where, like you said, there are two circles that overlap. In one circle, it's things about something or someone. In the other circle, is things about a different person or different thing. Then, in the middle. There's the things those two people or things have in common. For example, say you wanted to compare two desserts: Rice Krispie treats and chocolate ice cream. Sounds good. So you could say that Rice Krispie treats are hard and chewy. So I'd put those in the Rice Krispie treat circle. And chocolate is. It's soft, so I'll put that down. It's brown, so I'll put that down, and it's cold. So I'll put that down too. Soft, brown, and cold, and we could put yellow in the Rice Krispie one too for yeah. different colors. Or tan. And room temperature or yeah. warm. Then in the middle, where the two circles intersect, we could say that it's sweet because both Rice Krispie treats and chocolate are sweet. We could also say dessert. They're both dessert. Yes, them too. And I thought of another thing to put outside the intersection. What? Chocolate ice cream. Russ's favorite, crispy <sighs> treats. Dad's favorite. Yeah. So, quick way on one picture to see the similarities and differences between two different things. Well, yeah, but you can use them for more than that. It can be very useful for other things, like deciding what you want to do. Say you want to go to Disneyland or Universal Studios, but you can't decide which one you want to go to. In the Disneyland circle. You can put. You get to wear Mickey Mouse ears. You get to meet princesses, and there's a castle. In Universal Studios, you could put. There's Harry Potter land. There's Simpsons land, and you can take a tour of Universal Studios and see where movies were made. Where the circles overlap, you put where they have in common. So I'd put. They both sell cotton candy. They're both amusement parks, and they both have roller coasters. And they're both extremely expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my problem. Now it makes it easier to decide. Hmm, do I want to meet princesses and go in a castle and wear Mickey Mouse ears, or do I want to see Simpsons and go in the world of Harry Potter and see where movies were made? And either way, you know, there's going to be some parts that are in common. No matter what, you're getting lots of junk to eat. You're getting lots of rides to play on, and it's going to cost mom or dad an arm and a leg. <laughs> exactly. So now it's so much easier to decide. I think I would choose Universal Studios because while I like princesses, I like Harry Potter more. Ah, <sighs> Harry Potter Land. So it's easy. It's done. Now I know where I want to go. You see how Venn diagrams can help you decide. 
What I like too, is they don't just show the differences. They also show the things that we have in common. You know, we're going up toward this election. People are really tense. They're really upset with each other, but you can think about what are the things we have in common? There's the things we know we disagree with. Those will be easy to fill in those different circles. But what are the things we have in common? Do we both like basketball? Do we both love our family? Do we both have pet cats? Are we both really into tacos? <gasps> yeah. So it's a great way to have some fun, organize yourself, decide things, and see how much seemingly different things or people have in common after all. Are you ready for today's poem? Pull me up. This one's called Dear God of Small Things by Judy Ray. Last episode, we read a poem by her husband. And now we'll read one by her. Dear God of Small Things. Every day I think of writing to you. But you have many details to deal with. My letter may be too small a thing. I would like to thank you for the green and blue scent of rosemary, for feathery cassia, for sudden brief opulence of red torch cactus bloom. All these redeem the desert's harshness to one from another landscape. I would write of the bird songs that outside city traffic, a dog's understanding of routine, bursting smiles of children. And then I would ask you if it is a small enough thing for you to make a mirror for us. It can be of the purest silver glass or hammered tin or calm deep water. And we'll reflect ourselves, not as ourselves, but as those others we strive to be. Outshining the shadow selves between. Wow. Got deep there. May I read it? Of course. Dear God of Small Things by Judy Ray. Every day I think of writing to you, but you have many details to deal with, and my letter may be too small a thing. I would thank you for the green and blue scent of rosemary, for feathery cassia, for sudden brief opulence of red torch cactus bloom. All these redeem the desert's harshness to one from another landscape. I would write of the bird songs that outsing city traffic, a dog's understanding of routine and bursting smiles of children. And then I would ask if it is a small enough thing for you to make a mirror for us. It can be of purest silvered glass or hammered tin, or calm, deep water. And we'll reflect ourselves, not as ourselves, but as those others we strive to be, outshining the shadow selves between. Wow, what do you think that poem means? I love how it starts with, is this letter too small a thing for the God of small things? <laughs> and it ends with, a request that is asking, is it small enough? <sighs> the too small a thing is the letter and the big part. The meaning of the poem is, can you make a mirror to reflect us as we strive to be? 
I guess that means our best selves, as opposed to what she calls our shadow selves. Yeah, I think that could be really cool. Outshining the shadow selves between. When we think of ourselves, sometimes we're hard on ourselves. And we see ourselves as worse than we can be. But if we look for all these little points of beauty that we either have within us or can appreciate outside us, I think that's a really big gift that she's asking for. Yeah. The sudden, brief opulence of red torch cactus bloom. Have you ever seen a cactus bloom? No. If we don't live in the desert, we live in Montana. So you would be like she is, one from another landscape if uh, you saw it? Yeah. What does opulence mean? Do you know? No, please tell me. It means richness, comfort, excess, fanciness. So the sudden brief opulence of red torch cactus bloom. Can you imagine a flower blooming as a kind of opulence, a kind of richness? Yeah, there's no cactuses in Montana, but there sure are a lot of flowers. What is your favorite small piece of opulence that comes naturally and for free that you can thank God of small things for? Well, I like the tree that we have in our front yard. And it's just a plain old chokecherry tree. And nothing really happens to it, usually. But then, every spring, it blooms. And there's these magnificent, beautiful, pink flowers. They're so small, and yet they're so pretty. They're light and beautiful, and just delightful. I like the bird songs, out singing traffic, the dogs, understanding of routine. But favorite, for me, on the rest of the list, is the bursting smiles. Of children like you. <laughs> yeah, and the lighting up bursting smiles of all dads, too. Last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? I do. You and I were on a big hike the other day, and as we got to the top of a mountain, we saw an airplane coming by, and you said, Do you think they can see us? And I said, I don't know about that, but I just hope nobody flushes the toilet and it lands on us. And I said, please tell me airplane toilets don't actually work like that. Well, that's my question for you. How do airplane toilets work? Do we have to worry that someone flushing 10,000, 20,000 feet above us could send something we really don't want landing on our head? Ha, huh, that's a great question. And also very important. I'll look it up and get back to you. Okay, I'm back and I've got the answer to your vexing question. Hmm. When you use a toilet on an airplane, a lot of things happen. First, when you flush, it gets sucked by a vacuum into a trap door. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's why the noise is so loud. The vacuum sucking it. Then it travels through tubes and into a container in the middle of the plane. It stays there for the rest of the flight, and then a hose is attached to it, and it gets emptied out once you land. There's no truth at all in the myth that's ejected out of the plane and into the sky. 
not only is flushing the way you imagine illegal, but airplanes can't even do it. So rest assured, next time you see a plane flying overhead, even if someone flushes the toilet, you'll be safe. You Must Know Everything was produced by me, Rossa Smith, and him, Jeremy Smith. And the amazing music was by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you like to listen. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please tune in next time for everything you need to know.